Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com, Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. What is the way to die that you fear 
more than all others. Everyone has one. My question to you today is, do you have one you fear so much that it actually affects your behavior? I don't ju- again, I don't just mean when you're scared of. I, I don't want to I don't want to burn alive. Well, yeah, I, that's that's got to be on everybody's short list. I don't want to burn alive either. Do you take extra steps to make sure you avoid burning alive? Do you maybe avoid driving? Do you have extra smoke detectors in your house? If you have smoke detectors, do you check them more often than you should? You make sure your flammable liquids are wet. You know, whatever the case may be, I'm scared of. I'm scared of a shark attack. This is probably going to be a very common one because I have more than one friend like this. I'm scared of a shark attack, so I won't swim in the ocean. I obviously am scared of shark attacks, as any reasonable human being is. You heard BK come on the show several times. Our Air Force PJ spec ops dude lives in the ocean, openly admits, scared of shark attacks, thinks about it, about them all the time. Does it affect your behavior? You stay out of the water because of it. I'm scared of a, a drowning. Do you never swim? Do you take extra precautions with your children? Everyone takes precautions. I mean, extra ones, over the top. You're the one who's got floaties on your 10-year-old son. It's undoubtable that fear of dying a certain way can affect human behavior. Whether or not you have something like that in your life, it can. And one of the things I find so fascinating about the ancient world that really differs from ours today is methods of punishment and execution. We, in a air fingers quote, civilized Western society, we can get to that in a while, but in a civilized Western society, and I'm, look, I'm not mocking that. We're undoubtedly more advanced more kind, more tolerant, more of a Judeo-Christian society. But we as a, as a civilized Western society pride ourselves on what? On not being cruel. You advertise to the world how not cruel you are. It's in our Constitution. No cruel and unusual punishment. You have international bodies, Western bodies. Of, uh, let's make sure there are no human rights abuses here. Oh, what, you kept that guy in prison too long? That's human rights abuse. It's our culture. You know, your culture is what you incentivize and what you don't incentivize. Disincentivize, I guess you'd call it. It's a big word for me, Chris. Disincentivize. That's five syllables, Jack. Not to brag, it's only Thursday. But so much of the ancient world, I don't know if I want to call it most, but I probably could. So much of the ancient world did exactly the opposite. And the question is, who is right and who is wrong? When I say did the opposite, so much of the ancient world openly bragged 
about how horrific they are. They would have their brightest minds. You know, you have, we have our brightest minds. They go down to NASA and figure out how we can go to, go to Pluto. They take their smartest people and they say, come up with a new way to kill somebody that is horrifying. And not only do I want you to come up with a new way to do it, I want you to come up with a new way to do it and then make sure we send out newspapers, their version of newspapers, to everywhere in our kingdom to make sure everybody knows that we did it and it's just as bad as we thought. That was the norm. They brag about their cruelty. Question is, whose way is superior? I ask this a lot as we work our way into the Persians slowly today. I ask this question a lot. Obviously, our way seems a lot kinder, right? Is it better? I don't know. And they would obviously reserve some of the worst punishments back in the day for, for who? For people who would violate whatever their God, you know, speak out against God, blasphemy, or people who would, cities who would rebel. And they would do things. You remember our Assyrian episode where they'd go flay people alive and put them up on the city gates, and, and then the Assyrians would brag about that. And they would do that. Why? So cities didn't rebel. But cities still rebelled. You and I see that. I, I, I cut his tongue off and flayed him alive and sold his daughter into slavery. And you and I look at that and you think, oh, my gosh, I would never even think about rebelling. That's how you and I think. But they still rebelled, still had to deal with rebellions. I'm sure some didn't because of the fear of that. I'm sure many didn't. But eventually you're still going to get one. Which way is superior? I don't know. Now let's go back to the ancient world. I am going to, because I've had this question several times, I'm going to criminally oversimplify the timeline of these empires. All right? So this is way oversimplification because there's all kinds of overlap between this and that and this. But in general, we're going to leave out the Egyptians for now because they're undoubtedly the oldest. That would be Egyptians. But you can start with Egyptians, you know, Sumerians, those, those people. Past them, though, we're going to get to Assyrians and then Babylonians and then Persians. From Persia, we're going to get Greece. From Greece, we're going to get Rome. From Rome, we're going to get Mongols and Ottomans. And then from there, you're getting into what you would know as a more recognizable modern Europe. Now, that has historians right now punching the radio with their fists because it's so criminally oversimplified, it's shocking. But that's pretty fair. And you need to understand one of the reasons I find the place so shocking if they weren't such commie scumbags now. China was essentially big and powerful and great throughout this entire process. All those. And China is so ancient. Like I said, if they weren't dirtball commie scum, I would go just spend months in China visiting old Chinese cities and old Chinese monuments and finding out about this and that. Their history is fascinating. 
I just simply refuse to spend my American dollars funding those scumbags. So I won't do it. You know I'm real big on this Made America stuff now. Real big on it. In general, that's the timeline. But for now, we're going to go back, back, back. And you remember the Assyrians we did? We're going to go after the Assyrians. The Assyrians are not really gone. I know I'm oversimplifying, but life is complicated. And I'm trying to make it as easy as possible because I'm stupid. We are now at an era where... There are three major powers in the Middle East, we'll call it. Near East, Middle East, Mesopotamia, whatever you want to call it. There are the Medes, there are the Lydians, and there are the Babylonians. But things are about to change. Listening to the Jesse Kelly Show. You're welcome. You need some gold in your portfolio. You just need some gold in your portfolio. You see what's happening with the markets right now. And more than anything else, you see what the Fed is doing. They're printing trillions of dollars in unbacked currency. There are several economic theories out there. You may believe one thing or another. That's fine. But there are things that are laws in economics. A law of economics is unbacked currency will devalue said currency. That's a fact. They're playing games with this market. They're playing games with interest rates, inflation, and everything else. Get some gold. Get it from Gold Alliance. A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Go to goldalliance.com slash jesse. That's goldalliance.com slash jesse. That can get you up to $5,000 in free gold and silver coin. Of the three powers at this time... Medes, Lydians, Babylonians. Babylonians are the most powerful. Lydians, not so much. Medes control a huge portion of land, but they're, I mean, they're powerful. They're not Babylonian powerful. They're powerful. And there's a small walled city called Anshan in this region. Anshan is really its own kingdom. They're their own people. They're just trying to get by. You got these three other powerful kingdoms you're trying to get by. Now, if you're a small kingdom trying to get by, what you really, really want in life is you want to marry off your daughter or your son to somebody powerful. Never forget this. As an American citizen, a free American living in 2020, you... Marrying for love is a luxury, historically. Sounds ridiculous, right? Open up history books, ladies and gentlemen. 
People were married off for political reasons all the time. Women married men purely for financial security all the time. And I'm not talking about some gold digger these days. I'm talking I starve to death or I marry this gross old man type thing. The history of the world is marrying for survival. Lots of it. Not all of it. I'm not saying that. But just know you're not going to marry somebody until you find some dime who makes you laugh. Perfect. That's a luxury. Period. I'm not discouraging you from doing that. Go find yourself a hot one, fellas, who can cook. Get married. Actually, that's not true. You don't have to find one who can cook. You have to find one who's willing to cook or can order takeout. Whatever. Just make sure you have good meals. People ask me all the time, because my wife couldn't cook for anything when we got married, and then she eventually learned. But I'm a simple man. I don't need I don't need a seven-course meal. Make a great grilled cheese. Make sure I can survive. Man, that makes me crave grilled cheese now, Chris. We're going to have to get some grilled cheese sandwiches today. You don't like grilled cheese? Are you people allowed to eat grilled cheese? You're such a juvenile. It's one ingredient. One, it doesn't have to be one ingredient. You can use several kinds of cheese. You can use chipotle mayo on the bread, which I've done before. There's such a thing out there as French onion grilled cheese sandwiches. Highly, highly recommend those. But that's 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 neither here nor there. You only need one ingredient when it's cheese, Chris. Cheese is the greatest thing in the world. People have asked me several times, what would you do if you ever became lactose intolerant or something like that? I would just keep eating it. I don't care what happened. I don't care if I had to vomit. I don't care if there was a stomachache. There is nothing in this world that would stop me from eating cheese. Nothing. Quit distracting me. We're, get, we're talking about ancient Persia. Gosh. Anyway, this city, Anshan, has its king. King has a wife. They get together and have themselves a son. Now, this son, he ends up, because of mom and dad getting to marry, the daughter of the Median king. This is a good thing. This is a very good thing for Anshan because now you got the big boy Medes beside you. So the Anshan son marries the Median daughter. They do their thing and they have a son and his name is Cyrus. Later to be known as Cyrus the Great, one of the Blessed people in history to get a call out by name in the Bible. Talk about one of the all-time coolest notches on the belt ever. He's in the book of Isaiah. At least I know he's in the book of Isaiah. I don't know if he's in a bunch of the others. But imagine getting called out by name positively in the Bible. That's really cool. That's really cool. God's all, yeah, we need to go. He's, He's in the book. He is in the book. Cyrus is born. Cyrus begins to move on up in the world. And the Median king, remember this is Cyrus's grandfather. The Median king starts giving this young grandson of his the heavy, heavy side eye. This boy is seriously now in the, he's in the dynastic line. 
This boy is moving up in the world, and young Cyrus appears to be an absurdly capable, talented young man. Absurdly capable and talented. So if you're the median king, your grandson's moving on up in the world, and he's really talented, you decide you're going to take him under your wing and show him how to be a good king. And nope. You're like, no, I'm going to kill him. I think we need to go ahead and have him murdered. The Median King takes one of his trusted advisors, generals, whatever you want to call him, and says, I need you to go down, and I need you to kill Cyrus. General says, yes, sir, will do. Mr. King packs up his stuff, rides on down to kill Cyrus, And for whatever reason, we will never understand. Obviously, they make him out to be a saint who had a change of heart. Who knows? He gets there and decides, I will not do it. I will not kill Cyrus. Actually warns everybody about it. Hey, man, the Median King wants you dead. This general, this advisor, no one will ever be able to explain to me why he does this, chooses to go back to the Median King And say, ah, decided against it. You know, I know you ordered me to, but I'm not going to. The Median King then invites this general over to his house for dinner. They have a lovely dinner. After this dinner, the Median King informs the general he just ate his own son. Yes, the Median King killed sliced up, cooked the general's own son, and then fed it to him. If you think that's going to create some animosity, you're 100% right. That puts the general firmly in the court of Cyrus the Great. Cyrus the Great has now moved up to the point where he feels he can give these Medes a run for their money. Because the Medes have an interesting empire, and this makes it interesting to think about how this would work today. What would have to happen in America to make you believe you have been conquered by a foreign power? It's an interesting question, right? If you get word... That the Chinese have invaded a small town in Mississippi and taken it over. Would you feel that America has been conquered? Of course not. No, no. Is it Washington, D.C.? If the Chinese invaded Washington, D.C. and took it over, would you feel we've been conquered? Maybe. I'm not sure. I I would need to know more, right? You'd need to know more. Well, how much? That... Did did the president get out in time? Do we still have a government? Is it only D.C.? You'd want to know more. You see, the question gets complicated. What if they took over a whole state? What if it's a big one? What if it's California? Dirty commies landed on the shores and took over California. Well, that's a big deal, but you wouldn't consider America conquered. Okay, we got to go to war and fight those commies back, but we're not conquered. What does it mean... To be conquered. The Medes had an interesting empire set up, and in hindsight, it was a poor setup. Hang on, I'll explain. 
veterans need our support not just when they're there i mean that's important too they need our support when they come back when you come back from combat you need help a lot of the time and lots of times you feel alone and where do you go i know i've done it you go down to the liquor store or if you're a, a drug person, you reach for a bottle of pills or some other kind of drug out there. Our veterans are struggling with addiction. Our veterans are struggling with PTSD. And Warriors Heart Foundation, they're finding these veterans and they're bringing them in to a private accredited treatment program only for warriors. If you're one of these veterans who's hurting, call 866-950-0636. The rest of us, we need to give. Go to warriorsheart.com slash the first. That's warriorsheart.com slash the first. Had an interesting setup. Their empire was vast, landmass-wise, but they didn't really have very many huge population centers. They really only had one central brain of power. Cyrus figures this out, storms in there with an army, and conquers the Medes by conquering one city. <laughs> one city? He brings the whole place crashing down. Dude must have been a genius. Then he sets his eyes on the Lydians. The Lydians were powerful, but by this point, you'd probably bet on Cyrus if you were a betting man. Cyrus checks out the Lydians. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take them too, and he takes them too. Okay, now we're working on a serious empire here from the tiny town of Anshan. Cyrus finally looks at the Babylonians. Here's something you need to know or remember about the Babylonians. We talked about them before. Babylon itself was revered by everyone in the ancient world. Even people who were fighting the Babylonians and hated the Babylonians thought the city of Babylon was the greatest thing since sliced bread. People who came long after the Babylonians, the Greeks and the Romans, talked about Babylon. Babylon doesn't get the best press in the Bible. I'm guessing it was probably a pretty evil place, very evil place. I know they worshipped Marduk, and we're going to get to that in a moment. So I'm sure God probably had a little bit of a problem with routine child sacrifice. But, you know, it's generally not something the good Lord looks down upon and says, oh, that's fine. But, I mean, really bad press in the Bible. The name's all over it. Remember, even the Assyrian king 
when he went down and raised Babylon to the ground before it built up again, that's part of what kicked him out of power. Even the the dirty, mean, cruel Assyrians were all, whoa, 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 that's too much. You don't, you don't do that to Babylon. What is your, what's your problem? Cyrus knows this. Cyrus knows he has to kind of take Babylon as softly as humanly possible. Plus, you can't, you can't really conquer them. And I mean that as in they'd never really been great subjects of anybody. Babylonians knew they were the bomb diggity. They knew they were the envy of the world. They considered themselves to be above everybody else, their city to be above everybody else, and they did not do well under the heavy rule of someone else. But you need to take them. If you're Cyrus, what do you do? Well, you do the highly, highly intelligent thing, and you gather intelligence. You send spy after spy after spy down there, and you figure out what the situation is like inside the empire. What are the political divisions? Who's fighting against who? Who's unhappy with who? One of the most underrated things is a quick side note about Genghis Khan. Almost universally recognized as the greatest or top two or three greatest conquerors in the history of the world, which he was. And you know what you picture when you picture Genghis Khan, the Mongolian army on horseback swooping into your city, killing every man, woman, and child. So fierce, grown men would just pee themselves at the sight of them. And there's some truth to that. Genghis Khan had one of the most robust spy networks in the history of the world and routinely sent not one, several spies into an area he was even eyeing up. And then if he thought he was going to conquer that area, they weren't all just storming through town, cutting off heads, pushing people around. They're bribing people. They're exposing political intrigue, figuring out where the cracks and the crevices are. We can turn this group against that group. We can flat out turn this group onto our side if we promise them this. They say Genghis Khan conquered many a city before he ever got to the city gates. Cities broken down, weakening from within. Babylon at this time was severely weakening from within. Why? Well, remember we talked about Marduk, their god, Their king, the Babylonian king, didn't really care for Marduk. Didn't really care for a lot of things. Didn't really care for Babylonian tradition is what I, the best way I can make this easy. Babylonians had several traditions. The king, while he's very, very important and all powerful, It's important to them, the king, one, love Babylon, and two, take part in these sacred ceremonies that they view as being important for their survival. Well, that's a problem when you have a king who really doesn't appear to care about you at all and is routinely absent from these ceremonies. Cyrus gets involved. 
Cyrus starts to really expose this king. Finally, Cyrus worms his way with his army into the city and doesn't kill every man, woman, and child, does not rape and pillage, gets to the city and calls himself a liberator and promptly goes to the temple where the festivities are supposed to take place and says, I will take part in your festivities. Your God is a great God. Allow me to join you. And all of a sudden, the Babylonians love him. They don't call the man Cyrus the Great for nothing. And there's something else. The Jews. You may remember from your history class or maybe just your biblical class. Where are the Jews at this point in time? They're in exile in Babylon. The Babylonian king had previously gone. He was tired of these rebellious Jews. Way to go, Chris. He's tired of the rebellious Jews. He says, I've had enough of this crap. He takes them out of Judea, brings them to Babylon. This was routinely done in the ancient world. Take a people out of their homeland and break them up into your homeland to kind of break their will to rebel. It's it's kind of a forced assimilation thing. They were brought into captivity for several generations into the Babylonian Empire. Cyrus the Great, there are arguments as to why he does this, but again, the man earned the title. Cyrus the Great rolls into Babylon, does the whole weird Marduk thing, and then looks at the Jews and says, go back home. You know, not only do you go back home, go back home and rebuild your temple that's sacred to you. Oh, oh, wait, 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 before you go, Here's some money. I'll pay for it. Go back home. Rebuild your temple on me. Thanks for coming. There are arguments, endless arguments, about why he did this. Most often you will hear, especially from believers, that's because that's what God wanted him to do. That's probably, I mean, undoubtedly true. But if you're going to look at it from a purely historical perspective, Keep this in mind. Egypt was still something on Cyrus's radar at this time. Egypt is their own powerful kingdom. What was right in between Cyrus's kingdom and Egypt? Israel. Does not hurt to have a loyal buffer state. Hang on. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. Your home title is a gigantic financial vulnerability for you. You see, it's easy to get stuck in an old way of thinking. I do this all the time. Where you think your your home title's stuck in a bank vault somewhere. It's not. Your home title is digital now. It exists online, and since the start of all this coronavirus stuff, cybercrime is up 75%. Everybody's home. Everyone's home, spending more time on the Internet, putting out more 
private information on the internet, and these cyber thieves are living high on the hog. Don't let them get a hold of your home title. If they do, they're going to forge your signature on it, take a loan out against it, and you are going to have to pay that loan back. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your address, see if you're already a victim. While you're there, use the code JESSE. Get yourself 30 free days of protection. Here's the thing. You've got your buffer state with Israel. Israel's there. You don't have to worry about Egypt. You've got a humongous empire, and I mean gigantic, biggest in the world now because the Medes, Lydians, Babylonians are all under your thumb. You are Cyrus the freaking great. And you can't just make yourself retire. Now... In fairness, I have to explain. I may be the type of person who would be guilty of something like this too, but here's here's how I always view these things. And I'll make it, you know what, let's talk about drug dealers for a minute. Cartel bosses, mafia movies. You've you've seen all the documentaries, the mob movies about the the guy who scratches his way out of a poverty-stricken existence. Turns into, I mean, yeah, not really a great person, but turns into a huge drug dealer, a huge cartel leader. He now bathes in champagne and diamonds and and eats olives with Swedish bikini models. And he's, I mean, he's worth a billion dollars. And you know how the story ends every single time. He won't stop and won't stop and won't stop. And boom, he ends up dying or getting arrested and losing it all. 50 years in prison, destitute. And every time, because you always know it's coming, when he's at his peak, I find myself thinking, bro, retire. Walk away. I'm going to go to my own private island. I'm going to have my own private yacht. I'm going to have, you know, 9,000 channels on cable TV. I'm going to eat A5 Wagyu steak every single night. Let the old lady go shopping whenever she wants. Pay for my kids to go through college. Walk away. However, the type of person who rises to that position is not necessarily the type of person who can just turn it off. You are what you are. You are how God made you. This is one of those moments, though. Historically, I think about this all the time, too. It's not just drug dealers. Right now, you're Cyrus the Great. They're already calling you the Great. Not only have you taken over and created from nothing. Remember, this dude's from Anshan. Not only have you created the greatest empire in the world, but... The people you took over are happy about it. 
I mean, you're not you're not uh, you're not Adolf Hitler storming your way through Europe with eight thousand resistant move resistance movements, and everybody hates your guts and wants you dead. You took over Babylon, and they were like, "Sweet, thanks, glad to have you." That is as good as life gets. And this is the moment, but it's only because we know how it ends. This is the moment I find myself as I read through it. And I was watching a documentary on it last night. I find myself yelling at the TV, no, don't go. But Cyrus, Cyrus wasn't done. He wasn't near done. He had plans to invade Egypt, which would have been an ordeal in itself. But first... Cyrus wanted to take care of these pesky Scythians or Scythians, depending on who you believe. Who are the Scythians? Well, think about the Mongols about 1,500 years or so before there are Mongols. Asian steppe nomads who created, again, the compound bow, not a normal bow, the compound bow, humongously powerful bow, ferocious, warrior-like people who live on horseback. Remember, the Mongols put their three-year-old children on horseback. Three years old. Get on the horse, son. It's time to learn. They're all mounted They have no homes to speak of. So this isn't the Median Empire where Cyrus can just stomp on in there and take the capital city. There is no capital city. The Scythians, they lived in wagons and tents. They say, now we don't know all this for sure because the Scythians didn't write anything down. I know that's a big shock. They say the Scythians didn't have any furniture to speak of. None. Maybe a makeshift table or something. You just laid stuff on the ground and you packed up your stuff the next day and moved along. Apparently, they were humongous drunks. They had alcohol made from milk, which, I mean, had to be the absolute most disgusting thing in history. Don't ask me how they did it, Chris. I have no idea. It's nasty. The Greeks... They presented wine to the Scythians, Scythians at some point in time. And a lot of the ancient world, this is, this is, you hear a lot, even in the Bible about wine, water into wine, drank wine, Greeks drank wine, they drank wine, 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 wine. And sometimes people would use wine in its purest form to get drunk. But there's another aspect to wine you need to understand about the ancient world. Hang on. Chris and I were talking before the show about American flags and why it matters and the symbolism of all of it. And we got to talking about how I, at one point in time, I owned an American flag that was made in China. I didn't realize it when I bought it, but one day I'm flying it and I'm, I'm taking care of it and I look and it's made in China and man, did that feel wrong. It is wrong. Atlantic flag and pole has a Phoenix telescoping flagpole kit, American engineered, with American aluminum. That matters. And of course, because it's made in America, 
It's got a SEAL Team 6 guarantee, an industry-exclusive warranty. That's outstanding. Go to AtlanticFlagpole.com. That's AtlanticFlagpole.com. When you go there, don't forget to use the discount code JESSE. That gets you 10% off your flagpole. AtlanticFlagpole.com. The Scythians, they used wine a little differently. You see, in the ancient world, lots of the use of wine was simply as a bacteria-killing thing because the alcohol kills bacteria. Remember, this is pre-clean drinking water age. You get water, it gets you sick. They're not stupid. They know that. So they mix a little wine with the water to make sure you all don't get Montezuma's revenge. The Scythians got the wine and said, this stuff is way more fun if you just drink it straight. And they just got hammer-housed routinely. Like most of the Asian steppe people, rampant alcoholism. This killed the Mongols too. It ended up killing several of their rulers. Rampant alcoholism is one of the things that kept them back from completely taking over the entire world. The freaking drunks could never stay sober. And they did something else. Kind of weird. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. The Scythians, or Scythians, like to get high. Really high. I guess they had a bunch of hemp, and full disclosure, hemp is not weed. I don't understand the drug world fully, but hemp can still get you high, apparently. Well... I know it can because the Scythians apparently used to take gobs of it and put like a big tent up and make a bonfire and just drop truckloads of it on there and just get high as a giraffe. Uh, never mind. You can't say that on the air. Really high. Really, really high. The more civilized societies thought the Scythians were insane. They... Um. <clears throat> Shared each other's spouses. As long as you did the polite thing. And if you're with your neighbor's old lady, you had to leave your bow outside to let him know. Well, I mean, you don't want to be rude. You had to let him know you were in there. 
like I said, a very, a very different people, but very ferocious in battle. They carried axes with points. They were very pointy axes, not long, thin ones. They still find skulls that are victims of Scythian wars with axe holes in their skulls. It's kind of cool. And Scythians were all about that skull life. They would, and we'll get to this in a minute, they would cut off your head, carry around your head. They created silver, well, plates and things like that, bowls out of your head. They would routinely drink out of your cleaned out skull. And no, I don't have confirmation they actually cleaned it out all the way first. These are the kind of people who probably wouldn't. Very, very, very capable in battle. And... If you want to consider this progressive, very progressive when it comes to equality, male-female equality. They would have female leaders if that's what you did. Let's take just a brief side note on this. Don't listen to these idiotic modern-day feminists and the way they teach things in your crappy government schools these days about how women have always been downtrodden and oppressed. (laughs) That's such a bunch of garbage. Women have been treasured throughout history and oppressed throughout history. It differs totally from society to society. So many were male-dominated. So many were male-dominated, but the females were revered. So many, there were female-dominated societies. It just totally differs. Totally differs. Just because they all didn't have crew cuts and play softball doesn't mean they weren't progressive. What, Chris? What? Make jokes on the show. Cyrus sets his eyes on the Scythians and takes off with his large, powerful Persian army and goes to war. The Scythians at this point in time do have one of those female leaders. I'm going to wrap this story pretty quickly here. Cyrus gets his hands finally on the female leader's son. And when I say finally, Cyrus is finding it very frustrating to fight these people. Why? Because just like all the other steppe people, the Mongols, the Huns, everybody else, they won't stand and fight with you until they have the advantage. They'll just take off and they'll come back and do a quick raid and hit you and take off again. And for you, this is an abomination. Why won't you stand and fight? And for them, they're all, well, why would I fight? I don't have any reason to fight. I don't have a city you can take from me. I'm extremely unconcerned about you marching your army through the middle of the wilderness. Doesn't matter to me. I'll just move down here until you're gone. But eventually Cyrus does get his hands on her son. Her son dies. She's salty about it. Cyrus the Great rides into battle. It's amazing a man that has accomplished this month much is still riding into battle with his army. This is not some dude sitting back eating grapes and being fanned by slaves. He's riding into battle with his army. And he doesn't ride back out again. And the Scythian leader finds Cyrus the Great, cuts off Cyrus the Great's head, and dips his head in a vat of wine. 
just as kind of one last up yours. I'm sure she probably drank it after that. Thus ends Cyrus the Great. Does not end the Persian Empire. That comes later. There was no second of Cyrus the Great. They had some capable leaders after, but nobody even close to that. But I find a lot of history interesting when I think about the news today. And this is what I mean. How we remember some people versus other people in history almost always seems to depend on the publicist. The rise of Persia. Persian is thought to be more advanced, not these barbaric, sadistic monsters like the Assyrians. Persia's much more tolerant, right? Oh, shoot, keep your Babylon, God. Hey, Jews, go back home. Here's some money for the temple. They named their opening guy Cyrus the Great. I mean, these are finally some enlightened, kind people, according to the historians who wrote about them. But why? Do you know what scaphism is? Have you heard of scaphism? Sometimes called scaphism, sometimes called the boats. The Persians invented that. You see, there was a man named Mithridates. He ended up getting himself captured by the Persians. They took Mithridates and introduced him to scaphism. There's a historical record of this where they found themselves a swamp. You know what swamps are like, flies, mosquitoes, bugs of all kinds. They laid Mithridates down in a small boat, a boat where he had his head sticking off the edge, his both of his hands sticking out the edge of it, and his feet sticking out the edge of it. They then took another boat, turned it upside down with those same holes cut out, and placed it on top of him. Still in the swamp. They took a mixture of honey and milk and forced him to drink it. If he refused to drink it, they would prick his eyes until he drank and drank and drank this extremely sweet mixture, drank until he could not possibly drink anymore. The boats, plural, I guess, were tied to a rope on the shore. They would then push this boat out into the swamp and just leave him there. Oh, I should mention they did cover his face and hands and feet in the honey mixture as well. What happens to you with a stomach full of milk and honey? Eventually it's coming out. And every single day, they would pull you back over to the shore. This wasn't a one-time thing. And give you another belly full of milk and a belly full of honey. If you thought it was bad, you have no idea. Hang on.
missed out? Catch up. JesseKellyShow.com. I want to walk in vault. I want to walk in vault from Vault Pro, and I want it bad. I will tell you. <laughs> I sat down last night with the wife. And I just started to talk to her about why I needed a walk-in vault. Now, need may be a strong way to put it. You possibly do need it. I already have a Vault Pro safe, and I love it. Lifetime warranty, American-made. Vault Pro is veteran-owned. I love all that. So, yes, I probably have enough safes already from Vault Pro, but these walk-in vaults, you know you can customize these things. Put shelves in there, work tables, gun racks, how cool would a custom walk-in vault, a custom storm shelter be from Vault Pro? They do vault doors as well and gun safes. Go to vaultprousa.com slash jesse. That's vaultprousa.com slash jesse. Don't forget to use the promo code jesse. You can get entered to win a free handgun safe. They're going to keep feeding you milk and honey every day. They're going to keep smearing it on your face and hands and feet. This is doing two things to you. It's keeping you alive because you're filling your body with nutrition. At the same time, it's evacuating your body into the boat in a swamp where the mosquitoes and flies are constantly covering over your face. Have you ever woken up with one fly on you, even one? There's a horrendous fly season in Iraq. We happen to be there for it. And it wasn't the exception. It was the rule because we didn't have any netting or anything like that. We would wake up every single morning covered in sweat because Scorching hot. We wake up every morning covered in sweat with dozens and dozens of flies all over us. Our face, our hands, our chest, everywhere. I wasn't being tortured to death. I wasn't laying in my own poop. And I will tell you to this day, it is one of the worst experiences of my life. You wake up with flies crawling all over your lips. You never forget that again. Now imagine days of it in the sun. You can't swipe them away. You're still alive. Oh, I should mention, remember that evacuation that's happening in your body? Because it's a swamp and because of all the nasty insects in the swamp, they don't just stay on the outside of you. You can't defend yourself. You can't move. You're too weak to do anything they begin to make their way inside of you. With scaphism, you don't die from malnutrition. They've been feeding you milk and honey. You die from insects eating you alive from the inside. Mithridates, who we talked about, took 17 days to die. So again, let me ask you, 
why all the good press? I'm not insulting them either for scaphism. Very, very creative. I'd happily sign some child molesters up for it today. I'm not, I'm not insulting you. But again, why are the Assyrians the bad guys and the Persians are king tolerant? Um, I need someone to explain that to me. Have you ever heard of the Tower of Ash? Oh, allow me to elaborate. How about a 75-foot-tall hollow tower? filled with hot burning ashes and surrounded on the inside by wheels. Why? Oh, we'll get to that. You are brought to the top of the tower. They then begin to turn the wheels, creating an airflow in the tower, causing a thick cloud of burning ash to swirl around inside the tower. You are then pushed off the 75-foot tower down to the bottom. Now, here's the problem with falling 75 feet. You don't die, but you do undoubtedly break things. Legs, hands, shoulders, back. You're immobilized, and you're now laying in the bottom of swirling, burning ash where you suffocate on swirling, burning ash being breathed into your lungs. Persian. Now, let me ask again. Why all the good press? Why are the Assyrians the bad guys and the Persians are the tolerant? Why are the Scythians the barbarians? They drink from skulls. And the Persians are the tolerant. I'll tell you why. It's all about your publicist. It's all about your publicist and you managing public relations in a way that works to your advantage at all times. Nancy Pelosi was in San Francisco. They have strict rules against opening salons, getting haircuts in San Francisco. Nancy Pelosi gets busted on camera wearing no mask inside a salon, having a favor of being done for her. The most embarrassing political scandal you can imagine, right? I mean, you violated all the rules you put on everyone else. So surely she's going to get up behind the microphone. Even Nancy Pelosi is going to get up and say sorry, right? And here's what she said. I take responsibility for trusting uh, the word of a neighborhood salon that I've been to over the years many times. And that um, when they said, well, we're able to accommodate people one person at a time and that we can set up that time, I trusted that. As it turns out, it was a setup. So I take responsibility for falling for a setup. And that's all I'm going to say on that. That's brilliant. You can say that is dirty and you're 100% right. You can say it's dishonest. You're 100% right. You can say she's a total scumbag for that. 100% right. You can say it's immoral. It is. 
They're now going after the salon owner who's getting death threats and is being forced to move her business for giving the video to Fox News. And you can say that is disgusting, tyrannical behavior. Nancy Pelosi should be in jail for that. Totally agree. Not arguing any of that. Still brilliant. That's how politics is done. That's how you manage your publicist in this day and age. Nancy Pelosi is possibly the most unlikable human being in the United States of America, and she's the Speaker of the House. Why? Because she knows what she's doing. You never apologize, ever. You always are on the offensive, always in their face. It's always your fault. Nancy Pelosi could mow down a group of school children in her car, and by the time the day was done, she would have a lawsuit against their parents for not teaching them to look both ways. That's how it's done in politics. Republicans, take notes. Stop your whimpering. Stop your cowering. Stop shrinking away every time a bunch of depressed people are being mean to me. Give it back to them at all times, even if it's 100% your fault. That's how it's done. Oh, Republican Representative Smith. I can't believe you married a hooker. You, you, You killed a hooker last night. What do you have to say about that? I think you probably killed that hooker. In fact, I think you've probably killed several. In fact, I want a congressional investigation into this reporter for why he kills hookers. It's ridiculous, right? You bet it is. It's wrong? Of course. That's how the game is played. Cyrus the Great. Yeah, have have an hour of scaphism and ask me how great Cyrus was. Those big mean Assyrians, though. Assyrians didn't invent scaphism. Assyrians probably would have heard about scaphism and went all, oh, dude, that's terrible. Really? That's a little too far. Understand, this is, as the great Von Klauschewitz said, war is simply a continuation of politics by other means. This is a battle for what America will look like. You're going to have to fight it like they fight it. Period. On the Jordan Harbinger Show, you'll hear amazing stories from people that have lived them, from spies to CEOs, even an undercover agent who infiltrated the Gambino crime family. You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger Show with Jack Garcia, who did just that. My career was 24 out of 26 years was solely dedicated working undercover. I walk in, I'm in the bar. Now there's a barmaid there, good looking young lady. She's serving me drink. Hey, what would you like? I usually, my drink was, give me a kettle, one martini, three olives, glass of water on the side. I finish the drink, the guys come in, I'm gonna go, go in my pocket, take out the big wad of money. Bam, I give her a hundred dollars. If you're with the mob, I say, hey Jordan, You're on record with us. That means we protect you. Nobody could shake you down. We could shake you down, but you're on record with us. For more on how Jack became so trusted in the highest levels of the Gambino organization, check out episode 392 of The Jordan Harbinger Show. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. 
We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Every Day Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Every Day Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.